the whole shit. time it kept breaking up. Yeah. Right. It doesn't do long amounts, maybe. And we're back again. I think I think once we're done, what we should do is is look into how long it records. Yeah. Because the first time it went it went near fifteen minutes, and I thought, okay, maybe maybe that's the max amount. But I but I don't I have a hard time believing that because I've seen other platforms record as long up to forty five minutes in podcast airtime. Yeah. It's been doing that. It's it's strange, but like, but again, uh, it's, it's it. What better time for this to happen than now? On during the first the first episode, episode exactly to learn and get the kinks out the way and so forth. So it's it's a learning process for us both. But welcome to one sixty one Murderers Pod with your host I Wesley Segundo and my brother Shukri Wrights. You'll be making a mistake not listening to us. Hmm. Lead us the way, Shu. Well, the 2019 season now now upon us. The question now begs: Can the Yankees dethrone the Boston Red Sox in the American League East? And obviously, the Yankee fan answer is yes, of course. But let's let's go a bit deeper into this, shall we? Yes. The Boston Red Sox are coming off 108 wins last season. The Yankees have won 100 games. They both been in the division series, and they were exposed as to what their deficiency deficiencies were at the end of last season. And for the Red Sox, they have basically returned. Almost all of the, all of all of, all of its members of its championship team from last season, with the exception of Craig Kimbrell, who's still on the free agent market right now, and Joe and, Kelly, and, as, and as well as Joe Kelly, who, who went on to sign a multi-year contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, with with that being said, the question. Yankee fans is this. Do we have the pitching to, to overtake the Red Sox in the American League East? Given that the Red Sox have won the division three years in a row, and as aforementioned, that they have just won the World Series just last October. On the strength of the pitching, more or less. Now, the Yankees, they, they acquired James Paxton from Seattle, which was, which was an interesting trade, and the, the potential for Paxton has always been there. It's always been there from the jump start. But the problem is that he has not pitched a full healthy season ever since making his, making his major league debut. He hasn't pitched a full 200 innings in, a, in, a, in any given season up to this point. So that remains a question mark. Can he finally accomplish that this season in New York? And also, when we signed Jay, Jay Hop for two years, after he came over um, in a trade from the Toronto from the, from the Toronto Blue Jays for prospect Phil oh. McKinney and third baseman Brandon Drury, correct. And he's a good back end of the rotation type of type of pitcher 
that, that gives the, that can give you length, that can give you innings, and so forth. My only concern is when you compare our pitcher staff, when you compare it against the Red Sox, I want to say still boast Chris Sale, David Price, and hopefully a healthy Eduardo Rodriguez, and that's a big question mark in itself. Is it enough for the Yankees to overtake the Red Sox in the American League East? We know that both offenses can score, especially with Stan and Judge in, in that lineup. It was the Red Sox, especially when you got the big Bopper and J.D. Martinez in the middle of that order. You know that both offenses can, in fact, score. But as a Yankee fan, I can't help but wonder, do we have enough pitching to overtake the Red Sox in the American League East? And to be brutally honest, I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure. Even with the additions that we have made, a lot of, a lot of what we are capable of doing will come down to health. Health health, and health, it's absolutely paramount that those guys can stay healthy, Severino can stay healthy, and more importantly, maintain a high level of performance and not go into a second-half tail-off the way that he did in the second half of last season. And Sabathia is fully healthy and recuperated from the off-season emergency heart surgery that he had to undergo that saved his life and so forth. So, so, it's, so in terms of the Yankees, it's, it's, it really is it's a matter of health and consistent performance out of, the, out of the rotation in order for them to have a chance to overtake the Red Sox in the American League East. So what does the season preview look like? Okay. Going to... Aaron Boone says last year he walked in fairly comfortable, but now he's adjusted. So what does that mean? Let's break it down. When you're in a new workplace, a new work zone, a new environment, some humans can be anxious, can be very filled with anxiety. Some can walk in very comfortably, but deep down inside, they're anxious. They're nervous. They don't know. And some are just, okay, walking comfortable. Well, let's see where this wild ride takes us. But he mentioned that now he's adjusted. So what is your take on that? Well, my question is adjusted in what way? What adjustment has manager Aaron Boone made. Has, did he talk about adjustment in terms of getting used to the pressure from the New York media or adjust, adjustment in terms of understanding the, the pressure and the demands of Yankee ownership or adjusting to learning how to manage 25 different personalities in the clubhouse? That in itself remains to be seen. And I, and I, really, and I really do think I, – I really want to put this out there now. And, and, and now that I think about it, I'm going to. You know what this season would really, would really be the one X factor in all of this is Giancarlo Stanton. How many Yankee fans have 
have forgotten that Stan, if he has a year similar to what J.D. Martinez had last season, could be an even more of an impact type of player. And this is talking about a guy who hit 38 homers and had 100 RBIs that season. His first, his first season as, as a member of the New York Yankees. But as, we, as you and I have talked about at the end of October, Stanton has never really experienced postseason baseball, let alone, no. let alone New York postseason baseball and Yankee pinstripes. And, and as we all know as Yankee fans, and Yankee Universe, you know this as well, legacies are made in October, not in the regular nope. season. Alex Rodriguez has proven that. And with Stanton, I'm, I'm actually more curious to see how does he handle year two and so forth. Not just Alex Rodriguez. We can go down the list. Yeah, yeah and it, it, there's, there's a whole list. But it was using Alex Rodriguez as an example because he, yeah. because he was a superstar that came over in a trade just like Stanton did, just like Stanton, and struggled mightily in his, in, in his, in his first five postseasons in 04, 05, 06, 07. First four, rather, before his breakout postseason of 2009. Yeah. And the same thing applies to Stan. What, what, what did he learn from year one that he can apply in year two? That's, Let's also say this. Even unheard of guys can make Yankee legacy in Yankee pinstripes in October. Mm-hmm. It's not just superstars. It's not just superstars. But continue. Intrig- intriguingly enough, I, I believe that if you are Aaron Boone, you have to re- I think this spring training is important because you, need, you really need to get a, a sense for what kind of team that you have with the new guys that, that have come aboard. And the pressure now even being maximized, given that your arc rival just won the World Series last last October. Like, what what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? So, my big thing to Aaron Boone would be this: this spring training, get a gauge for what you have in that clubhouse, the type of leaders that you have in that in in, in that room. Especially for the young guys, like Gary Sanchez. What kind of bounce that year is he going to have? How do you handle him after the adversity that he went through in 2018? How do you handle Luis Severino, whose first half brilliance quickly faded away in the second half? How do you handle Aaron Judge in terms of his health, maintaining that he can stay healthy throughout the season the way that he did in 2017. How do you handle Miguel Andujar, Glaber Torres, Adam Ottavino, DJ LeMayhew? How do you handle Aaron Hicks? Now, when we're saying how do you handle, it doesn't mean they're going through any controversy. They did anything bad. It's all about how do you handle these players in certain situations, even in clutch situations. Now, I will say this. This past season, we did have a lot of clutch moments. Yes. We did have a lot of clutch moments. I can go 
I can go through the list. What made Glaber Torres last year? What made him known? Torres, he his ability to come up and make it and, and make an impact immediately, basically within like within the first week of being in the major leagues. And but what was his signature Yankee moment? Because you got to remember, every Yankee has their signature moment. If you want, if you want to, if, if, me being personally honest, in my opinion, it was that Sunday night game against the Red Sox, or that, that same game that I was at on July first of last season. Mm-hmm. His ability to come up big, nationally televised game against the Red Sox, Sunday Night Baseball, his offensive contributions that series, but especially in that game, in my opinion, is what really put him into the spotlight. That's what really put him on the map. And Andujar, his signature Yankee moment, in my opinion, the grand slam that he hit in, um, in June of last season in Toronto. Yeah, and and I and funny enough, this is where it. This is this is why this this twenty eight to twenty nineteen Yankee season. This is why this twenty nineteen Yankee season is going to be so interesting, is because you're going to have a full year of Gabriel Torres, Miguel Andujar, and I'm interested to see how does Troy Tulowitzki handle the majority of the workload at shortstop while Didi Gregorius continues to recover. But well, that's if you got to remember. That's if he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't get cut. And and that's and that's if he stays healthy, because we know. Yes. We know what Tulowitzki is capable of as long as he's healthy. But obviously, his problem his entire career has been his ability to remain healthy and on the field. So let's break down Troy Tulowitzki. Remember. The Blue Jays are paying $20 million of his salary. The Yankees are playing, are, they're just playing house money with him. Chump change. They're only paying five hundred k, which is the league minimum. I bring this up because you mentioned Troy Tulowitzki. He's a short-term... Insurance policy. Yeah. Now, could we see Glaber Torres at shortstop? Sometimes. Because you got a second baseman, DJ LeMahieu. Right. A premier, the guy's got a gold glove. The guy's got a gold glove. He's got a good arm. Now, everyone can say, well, oh, the cores, and the away splits. We're not focused on that. Because if you really think about it, we're still going to be good offensively. The biggest factor is not having D.D. Gregorius. Oh, sure. Well, Wesley, also not to mention that the biggest X factor for this team is going to be starting rotation. Because yeah. people, because people got to remember, I'm not concerned about the bullpen. The bullpen is going to be diamond as as it's been the last year, or last couple of years. I'm not worried about the bullpen. My concern is this: if the starters are not going in, in, going deep into ball games, if the starters are not going deep into ball games, 
and they're only giving you four or five innings per outing, you're going to gas that, that bullpen by the time you get to July. And then, and, then, and then heaven knows, by the time you get to September, what your bullpen is going to be like because your starters demonstrated the, the inability to go deep into ballgames. So that's something that I feel like the biggest X factor for the, for the successful um, y- Yankee season is going to be that final rotation. They have got to give you length, and they have got to go deep into ballgames. And, yes, although we, we have the bullpen that we have, with Chapman being the closer, Adovino being a setup guy, Batances being back, back to being Batances again, and, 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 and so forth. My thing is... Chad Green, another one. Yes. Ch- Chad Green, another one. The biggest thing is that the Yankee starters have got to go deep into these ballgames to maintain, to make sure that Aaron Boone does not, and I emphasize, does not tack the bullpen early in the season. You mentioned Aaron Boone. Could that could that be one of the things that he is talking about when he says he walked in fairly comfortable, but now he's adjusted? Could that be one of the things that he's talking about, as you have mentioned? Possibly. Because it, cause even there were times last season where I honestly questioned his ability to manage the bullpen. And I, I, I want to make this quick point. What was one of the criticisms that Joe Girardi had when he was the manager of the Yankees? The bullpen. Thank you. And what Bring was guys the... way too early or way too late. Exactly. And what was the problem with Aaron Boone last season? <sighs> oh. Let's see. One of the playoff games that Severino has started where he just exceeded 40-something pitches within two innings, and he was getting shelled. Yeah. Exactly. And and what does that tell you? That tells you right there that if you're Aaron Boone, year two, I want to see him – become more methodical in terms of how he handles the pitchers. Because yeah. ultimately, and ultimately, that is something that feel that will either make this team or break or, this team. Or, or, or break this team. That's my concern. And I know the, the Red Sox have, have, they have their concerns of their own. But, however, if there was a year that you had to take advantage of, of a glaring weakness that they have, is that their bullpen has gotten weaker, not stronger, this is the year to do it. Right now, as it currently stands, as of right now, currently, on February 18th, they don't have, they don't have, they don't have a, um, a, a Craig Campbell as their closer. Nathan Eovaldi is back, is back in the rotation as a starter. David Price, that, he's, not, he's not your swing man. He's, he is your starter. He what is your starter. He, what you saw last, last, last October was the, was the ability for those guys to 
to perform above and beyond their roles. And at the right, right time. At the right time. And the Red Sox did nothing to address their, their big needs during the offseason. Nothing. So if you're the Yankees, this is the time to take advantage. Like, we've seen, and this was like the last season, it, and, and I hate to play this revisionist history here, but there is a specific series that the Yankees played in that did them in for the season in terms of their chances of winning the division title. And it was a four-game series here in Boston, here in Boston, against the Red Sox. And I'll never forget that Sunday night game that I wrote the Chapman Blue. That Sunday night game here in Boston, Yankees had the lead, and for whatever reason, everything started to unravel then. That was the moment that did, that, that did the name in terms of the chance of winning the division. But so my point is, Brian Cashman made the bullpen stronger, a lot more stronger than what it was last season. The Red oh. Sox bullpen has gotten weaker up to this point. Speaking of bullpen, we did forget. We brought up Adam Arvino. Yes. We brought back. Well, we didn't bring no, back. No, we no, signed we, 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 we signed him. We, we, we signed him, yes. What I meant to say was we brought back Zach Britton for the next three or four years. We got three closers in our bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. We got three closers in our bullpen. So at any time... We know there's times where Aroldis Chapman, who is like one of my favorite players on the team, you and I both know that. Yeah. He gasses out. Now, maybe Boone could give Aroldis Chapman at least like 60% of the closer room. You know, cut his work his workload down, so then when it comes playoff time, and if we do make the playoffs, we have him ready to go, and he doesn't gas. And then forty percent, you split twenty percent with Britain, split twenty percent with Ottavino. He has options. He has a lot of options to do. So, let's say in one series, he has Ottavino close two games, Chapman close two games. The next series, Chapman closes three games, then comes Britain, and then he could fluctuate with that. It doesn't sound like a bad idea, does it? It doesn't sound like a bad idea, but the way, I mean, I get that, but if you're going to do that, Best make sure and watch his pitch count. It isn't yeah. about so much just the, the games and so forth, but the pitch count in those items, in the type of pitches. Are those high leverage, stressful pitches, or are they an easy breezy one two three type inning and so forth? That's what that's what you also have to look, look at as well. You know, 
So it's it's not a terrible thought or an idea if you're Aaron if you're Aaron Boone, but at the same time, your goal is between now and opening day, and from March 28th on to the end of the regular season, you want to be able to maintain maintain the bullpen and make sure that you get that you're getting um long long outings out of out of your starters. That's really the number one aspect in all of this. That's that's the big wild part. You have a great bullpen, but you gotta get um you gotta get uh, longevity out of your starters. Otherwise 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 it just it just won't be as effective. It'll just and be it, an albatross if you can't do that. Exactly. And there's only one team in the last twenty five years to prove that's proven that you can do that successfully over across over a long season, and that's the 2015 Kansas City Royals. When they, yeah. had, Ke- when they had Kevin Herrera, Greg Holland, and Wade Davis, and, and that bullpen, even 2014. Now, do you think this year's team is much better than last year's team? Michael Kay has said in his own show, and Don LaGreca has agreed to an extent, that this team is actually better than last year's team. And now, I will say this. There's a lot of people that are mad about Patrick Corbin, why we didn't sign him for that much. Well, let's look at it this way. We know James Paxson has a health history, but at least in those times where he's not been healthy. I forgot to pick it up. He's he's done a good job. He's put up numbers. Unlike Patrick Corbin, who's only had one good season. One good season besides the fact that he's got injured. So are you really going to pay $100 million to a guy that's only had one good year? $120 million, actually. Is it 120 right. or 140 Well, uh, about 140 so, Something in that neighborhood, yeah. Something in that neighborhood. Now, people say, well, we need pitching, 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 pitching. Okay, we got that pitching. But look at it this way. The Nationals, the Washington Nationals, what people don't know and people fail to realize, they have half a billion dollars invested on pitchers. On three Which, pitchers by the way, alone. Which, by the way, um, that, that, that Patrick Corbin contract you're talking about is six years, $140 million. Six years, $140 million? Yes. So are we going to do that with a pitcher who's had one good year? Absolutely not. But, some, but, but, but here's the thing. Some people would say, well, you guys did that for C.C. Sabathia, but here's the thing. Sabathia when he was a free agent in 2008, was coming off the monstrous performances that he had taking Milwaukee to the postseason. And he, he had won the Cy Young the year prior and had, and had already been proven to be a consistent, durable starter uh, as is. So in the American about, League. In the American Remember. League at that. Exactly. Where's, where's, did, there's the, with the it, Cleveland Indians. Yes, with, with the Cleveland Indians, where there's a DH. So, and, and, my, and my whole thing is this. 
you're going to pay that amount of money for a guy that has had one good year, regrets a couple of years straight, unfortunately, and finally had the big season that he had last season, you go ahead and spend that stupid money, quote-unquote, using quotes that, that the Philadelphia Phillies general manager had said in terms of the amount of money that he was trying to spend this offseason, but that's besides the point. But the point is, if you're going to do that, you best make sure that you're getting a guy that you know that you're going to get consistency year in and year out. And yeah. that's the bottom line. Not only that, you don't want a pitcher who's only have one good year and the National League doesn't have a taste of home run city, as I like to call the American League East. Absolutely. We don't know if he's going to be that superstar pitcher that he was at last year for the Arizona Diamondbacks, if he would have signed in pinstripes, he probably would have got shelled and it would have been a Randy Johnson situation all over again. Even though Randy Johnson did a decent, a decent job, but he still wasn't a good fit over here. Not at all. Not at all. And before he came over here, his best years were in Seattle and Arizona. Correct. But now we're not talking about Randy Johnson. We're just giving an example of how guys could fare off when they come into a different division and a different league. And, and, and especially even more so when they come into a city like New York, where everybody knows there is no media, sports media market or even media market that is even in the same stratosphere as New York. It's being the toughest there is in all, in all the sports and in the yeah. world. Huh. So, with, so with that being said, yeah. I, feel, I feel that you have to be very careful in terms of you're not just bringing any type of, any type of free agent pitcher here. One, they have to be able to pitch in the big market. Does he have experience pitching in the big market? And two, how does he handle expectations and so forth? All right. Now, let's break down another thing. And this is coming from one of the quotes of Aaron Boone. Because remember, right now we're talking about Aaron Boone, and we're talking about what he can do with the players that are coming back and the players that are now coming in. He says his expectations is the same as last year. It's to go out there, expect to be great, and embrace those expectations. The message is the same this year. And he also mentions how he likes to go out there and let it rip. Say what he thinks, and what he thinks is from the heart. Mm -hmm. So, what is he going to do? As far as, like, let it rip. Are we going to go home run slugging away? Or are we going to go home run slugging away, get guys out, put guys on base, play small ball, but also play the long ball? Just play complete baseball. Are we going to do that? That's what I want to know. Exactly, and it's a fair question to ask for us because – you saw from last October, and I posted this on Facebook, in the midst of the Red Sox run to the World Series Championship, that the big reason why the Red Sox were where they were 
was because they didn't rely on the home run ball. And this is what I was – this is the same thing that I'm hoping that Aaron Boone finally wakes up and realizes that, you know what, yes, we have a lot of power in our lineup, but you know what, we cannot rely on the home run ball because come the postseason, you're, pace, you're facing the best of the best pitching in the American League. And should you get to the World Series, possibly of the National League. And Bauer does not always win you games in October. It's situational hitting. Hitting with runners in scoring position with, with less than two outs or even with two outs and so forth. Two strikes hitting. Things that the Red Sox did very well last, last uh, postseason. Those are things that I hope, I genuinely hope, that Aaron Boone incorporates into, into, into the El Yankee offensive philosophy this season. If not... You're going to have a lot of guys swinging and missing, not coming through with key, with key situational hits and key situations in ball games. That's going to be the big difference between the, between a win and loss. So, now, I got to ask you a question. Sure. Now, let's say we follow out, right? Let's say we go out there and let it rip. Yeah, we hit the home runs. The Yankees are known as a home run team. When we sign these big superstars. Or when we have guys who have powerful bats. Because we do have guys that have powerful bats. Even if they're not home run hitters. We have that down the line. Now let's say we go out there, let it rip, hit the home runs, play complete baseball, get guys on base, situational hitting. Let's say we do that. Does that make the job easier for our rotation? It makes it easy. It says that you're giving, you're giving the, the pitching rotation support in terms of having enough runs to work with. There is nothing more that a pitcher loves when he's pitching is that he has run support. We saw that, with, for example, Jacob DeGrom last season. He won the signing award last season for the New York Mets, but only had a 10-9 record only because of the fact that he had very little run support in his starts. So if you're the Yankees, my concern is this. It's not so much in terms of how many runs can we score, but again, situational hitting. And I'm driving home this point from day one on this podcast that for the Yankees this season, I'm not saying to shoot the pot, the long ball. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we have got to get back to playing a nationally type type style of baseball, hitting on hitting with with guys on moving runners over, situational hitting, not relying on the whole run ball. That's no. what that's what I'm saying. We can't do that because that's going to lose us games. That's just going to bring our strikeouts up. But here's the thing. And this is what pisses me off about some Yankee fans. As a Yankee fan speaking, when guys that don't hit home runs hit a base hit, puts a guy on base, hits a double, hits a triple, do we, cost, do we have to consistently hit home runs? I mean, come on. When Stanton wasn't hitting the big bombs, but he was getting a base hit, he was getting a double, sometimes a triple, 
but mostly a base hit, putting himself in a in a RS in a RISP situation. Mm-hmm. We had guys booing him, even if he was striking out. What's so wrong with getting a guy on base? What's so wrong with that? I will say this. Putting a guy on base is just as much pressure on a pitcher that has to throw to a guy that's going to hit a home run 80% of the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I was Aaron Boone, I would tell the clubhouse, you don't have to always hit the home run. There's many ways of producing RBIs. We got guys like Brett Gardner who's fast. We got a guy like Clint Frazier who we know that can run. We know he can run. We got a guy in Aaron Hicks, another one, a speedy guy. Aaron Judge can run too. We've seen it. He doesn't do it all the time, but for a big guy, he can run and steal bases. Didi Gregorius, another one. Glaver Torres. We got guys that can do that. So why don't we do that? We don't always have to hit a home run. Yeah, hitting a home run is its pretty fucking exciting if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I always say this in the bleachers. Hit a home run, and I don't care if it hits in my face. But at times, I do want to see like a situation. Like, you know, it may, it's, it's fake, but like that episode of the Looney Tunes where the guys just kept running on the base. Just running back and forth, like just walking over the baseball diamond. Of course. Let's see that. We don't have to always hit home runs. It'd be exciting, but let's play full baseball. Let's play a complete game of baseball. Because I will always say this. Yes, the Red Sox rotation came up at the right time, but what really, what really won the, the World Series was situational hitting. That was that was their bread and butter. Exactly. Hitting. It's something now, that the Yankees can learn from, actually. Yeah. Now, can we get a healthy Sanchez? You know what? For a guy, look, he had a regression year, but he was playing with a bad shoulder that needed to be operated. On his catching arm. I mean, not... Yes, his catching arm. Yeah. I mean, to still produce 18 home runs, yeah, he had a low batting average. But Sanchez shows what he can do. Yeah, he has pass ball problems. But I will say this. You know who's had pass ball problems and is one of the greatest catchers of all time? Not that I'm saying... That Gary Sanchez is going to be a GOAT. He has the potential to be. Do not get me wrong. One of my favorite players in the team as well. Johnny Bench. Johnny Bench is known for having past ball problems. And if you don't believe me, study your baseball history. We got to, as Yankee fans, we got to stop complaining about the littlest, the littlest thing. You think Romine is going to 
Romine is really a backup catcher. There's nothing negative about that. If you go back to his story, he was projected to be our starting catcher for a long time. But the Yankees and Brian Cashman himself felt that Roman was better off as a guy who's a backup catcher, not a guy that could start. Sanchez could do it. And I think Sanchez is going to produce at least 30 home runs and maybe 114 RBIs. I think he's going to have a big year this year. He's already catching. He's already throwing. He's already down there. Yeah. It pisses me off when he does have those pass balls, but we got to take into consideration. There's a lot of catchers with pass ball problems. It's not just him. Us as New York fans, not for nothing, we bitch too much for our own good. The littlest thing, we bitch too much. We just do. So, I really see that we're going to have a more mature Gary Sanchez. We're going to see a Gary Sanchez that was the Gary Sanchez we saw 2016 and 2017. And may I like to mention, over the offseason, he was working with Pudge Rodriguez. And you know, it, what, what better defensive catcher to work with than Pudge Rodriguez in the history of the game? Are yeah. we the greatest, the greatest of all time? Honestly speaking, my prediction, I really say 30 to 35 home runs and 114 RBIs this year for Sanchez. And I think he gets better defensively. The guy's got an arm. You cannot run on Sanchez. You cannot run on Sanchez. To me, I think him and Yadier Molina have the best arms in the league, and I'm not being biased. I'm not. It's a proven fact. You don't believe me? Look at the caught stealing stats. Look at his defensive stats. If you're going to make an argument, argue stats and argue legitimate stats. That's what a lot of fans do not do. You and I both see that, Shu. Of course. And I know you want to say something about that. Well, this is this this one thing I will I will say just to um just to just to like begin to begin to to wrap this this first episode of the podcast, which in spite of the technical difficulties has been really a booming success. And I think more than anything else, when it comes to talking baseball. I've really personally have stared away from from getting into my feelings and talking about pure statistics and facts. Because there's nothing more annoying than dealing with someone or talking to someone who's, who, who talks out of pure emotion without backing any of the arguments with facts. Baseball has always been a game about numbers and facts. And at the end of the day, 
That's what players are evaluated on. Numbers, statistics, factual information on what are some things that helps, it helps evaluate the true talent of a player. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it isn't about personal feelings or personal agenda. It's about getting it right, getting your information right, doing your homework, watching the games, and ensuring that based on what you see and what you've learned and what you've read and what you've researched on your own, that you are making the best sound assessment that you possibly can make. And before we close anything off, Aaron Boone has mentioned he's flirting with the idea of Judge leading off. Usually we have Aaron Hicks or Brett Gardner to lead off. And it all depends on the pitcher. If it's a left-handed guy, Aaron Hicks leads off because he's a switch hitter. If it's a right-handed guy, it's Brett Gardner. But as I'm looking at um, BaseballReference.com, Baseball-Reference.com, actually, one of the best places you can look up player stats and learn from, I'm looking at his leading-off inning stats, okay? 650 plate appearances, Mm -hmm. 545 at-bats, 152 hits, 40 doubles, 48 home runs, 48 RBIs, 96 walks, 216 strikeouts, a .279 batting average, a .395 OBP, a .618 slugging percentage, and a... OPS of 1.013 and 8 hit by pitches. You know what? I wouldn't be opposed to Aaron Judge leading off. 